This is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm excited to say that every time I start out recording a podcast, I'm super excited and I'm so excited you're here because I have an amazing guest. He is so knowledgeable about men's sexuality. He has so many tips. I learned from him things I didn't even know. I didn't even realize some of the things he said. So he is a great resource for men. I'm very passionate about people having better sex. If you listen to my podcast, that's one of the things I say frequently. And this episode will help you if you struggle in any way, even if you don't struggle with your sexuality. Listening to this podcast will help all men and their partners. This is basically geared towards cisgender heterosexual males in heterosexual relationships. Not that men of other orientations cannot learn from this. They absolutely can. That just happens to be his focus. On my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex and sexuality, as I just said, and tips, expert interviews like this guest today and erotica, because erotica is a part of your sexuality. Why? Because it talks about fantasies. It helps you think about sex in different ways. It may give you different ideas. It may be your foreplay, solo or with a partner. But today, it is not an erotic fiction episode. It is a helpful episode with full of tips and advice and experiences and thoughts that will help you have better sex. Okay, I'm really excited about sharing this with you. This person is very knowledgeable. They have an amazing history, work history, and just so many good things to say. Okay, let's get to it. Are you ready? Let's fucking go. Everyone, I am so excited to be talking to this man. He is just awesome. And he's all the way on the other side of the world for me in Australia. He's got this really yummy accent. So I'm so excited to meet him and talk with him. And he has so much good stuff to say. I can't wait for you to hear it. His name is Cam Frazier. Welcome, Cam. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. Will you tell us about you? Yeah, I sure can. So my official title is sex coach and I work specifically with cisgender heterosexual men. That's kind of my demographic. And the reason why is because that is my lived experience, right? I'm a I'm a cishet mm-hmm. dude, just a regular a regular white guy, I suppose. <laughs> and um and you know, my my work essentially speaks to a younger version of myself, the stuff that I wish someone had told me you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was a teen and, you know, insecure about my masculinity and sexuality and worried about like how to talk to women and and be sexual and express myself that way. And part of my, I guess I'll like share a little bit, but part of my journey has been like overcoming premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction Mm. and, you know, having really shitty disconnected sex and following all these old scripts about what men are supposed to do in the bedroom, what women are supposed to do in the bedroom and that sort of stuff. So a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I share is come from personal learning, you know, and, and, you know, having these personal experiences and and really transformative experiences in my own sex life and, and life in general. But then I'm also really passionate about like psychology and, like human sexuality. And so I've, I've got degrees in 
both of those things. I've got a sexology degree, I've got a psychology degree, and I've done some counseling work. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also really interested in like philosophy and yoga and spirituality and esotericism. And so the coaching umbrella or the coaching hat allows me to kind of draw on both of those worlds, like the, the academic side of things, as well as like the spiritual side of things and try and blend those two teachings together. I think there's like a lot of value in, in bringing those two worlds together. So that's, that's kind of like, you know, my, my work, it tries to blend like the scientifically validated medically accurate information with like the mystery traditions and the teachings from the esoteric lineages. So that's like, that's what I do today. And I try and speak to men. And like I said, it's really speaking to myself from, from 10 years ago, the stuff that I wish a guy had told me who was comfortable in his sexuality. So yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell, like my, my little life story and my, my passion and and my interest in, in this work. I think that's just fabulous. And then also to have, to come from personal place as well, where you've gone through a transformation yourself from one place to being very open sexually. And I think that is really a huge value to everything you're doing. I mean, that's just makes it so real. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I feel like a lot of people in the sexuality space have a personal story, you know, like I I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of young people aren't growing up going, you know, what do you want to do when you get older? It's like, I want to become a (laughs) sex coach. I think like it's really, you're invested in it from a place of like personal experience. I think that's very, very true. And it's actually something I've thought of getting a certificate too, because I'm just very fascinated by it. And I'm very passionate about helping people have better sex and open up their sexuality. So, you know, I have degrees and other things, but I've off, I've actually been thinking about doing that myself. I just think it's so amazing. And so which one do you feel helps you the most in what you do? Is it is it one that's, you know, the sex coach certificate or the sexology? I mean, which one really do you feel like is the meat of, of what you do? Yeah, I guess like the, the sex coaching, I didn't necessarily do a sex coaching certification. And, you know, this okay. is a whole, this is like a, a bit of a side, you know, bar, I suppose. But the, the sex coaching industry is um, relatively unregulated. Like it's not a protected mm. title. So you can call yourself a sex mm-hmm. coach and just start working mm. tomorrow. And you I would see. be in, you'd be in addition to the industry if you were to start working as a sex coach. But the- mm. The yeah the the sexuality space is still uh, yeah in terms of the the legalities and things around it it's still a bit of a gray area unfortunately so for me personally like my my degree in sexology from a university here in Australia called Curtin University mm-hmm. is probably what I draw on a lot of my information from so a lot of the education that I do that's like really accurate and scientifically sound comes from like my understanding of like how to read research and how to, you know, how to find research to begin with, but then also how to read it and then how to like relay that information in a way that's digestible. And then if I'm talking about like practices and, you know, edging or prostate stimulation and things like that, a lot of that knowledge doesn't come from my university training. That comes from the sacred sexuality workshops that I've been to, like the Tantra mm. festivals that I've you know, hosted and also participated in and like the personal exploration that I've done with previous partners, my current partner, you know, other people in the industry. So a lot of that comes from like lived experience, essentially like experiential learning, I suppose. And then I kind yeah. of, you know, share that in a way that I think is is useful for others. So 
kind of a blend between those two those two uh, teachings in my own life. And I try and kind of put those together for something that's appropriate for social media. And then also like in a way that's easy for, for a client of mine and one-on-one client of mine to like work through as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just that personal piece. I think it's just so magical and people really value that as well. You know, it's, it's something that they like to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about from their own personal experience. And everybody has different experiences, but that that's just had so much. I would love to ask you, what is the top sexual myth you feel about men that's out there in the world? Yeah. So the, probably the top one, Ooh, I mean, a big one is that uh, ejaculation and orgasm are the same thing. Mm. So there's this conflation of ejaculation with orgasm. They're actually two separate physiological processes so that you can orgasm without ejaculating and you can ejaculate without orgasming. And like I say that as like the top myth because a lot of people don't know that to begin with, but also like there's other myths out there that I think are like more prominent, but I think like that itself when you learn that and when you start to like embody that as well and be like, oh shit, I can actually, oh, I can <laughs> actually have an orgasm without ejaculating. It changes your whole perspective and approach to like sex and pleasure, in my opinion anyway, when you really start to like explore that. Uh, it really opens up. It's like Pandora's box a little bit. It starts to open up your your experiences of, of sex and pleasure. So, so I do a lot of work with men and I, I try and do education as much as possible online about like, you know, what does it look like then? If you are trying to explore an orgasm that doesn't involve an ejaculation, what, you know, what might you want to do? And so, you know, I talk about you know, the, the way that ejaculation happens in the body. So that's, you know, some conversations around like the sympathetic nervous system and the ejaculatory reflex. And you know, I talk to guys about what happens when they ejaculate. I get to tune in with their body. It's like this for a lot of guys, it's like a lot of tension and it's this squeezing and tightening up sensation. And so, you know, the encouragement or the invitation then is to go, all right, well, if that is that if that's what happens when you ejaculate, let's try and do the opposite of that to explore, you know, the sensation of orgasm, which is for you know, people that are interested. It's like a function of the parasympathetic nervous system. It's a lot more relaxed. It's a lot more... Uh, diffuse through the body and so all those things that happen when you ejaculate it's like just do the opposite of those things very simply like instead of speeding your breath up it's you know slowing your breathing down instead of tightening up and squeezing it's relaxing letting go trying to soften a lot of things that you know a lot of men in particular have resistance to have reluctance to do because you know, they try and be in control of their sexual experience, which looks like, you know, tensing up and squeezing and holding, or they've got to be like the the uh, assertive partner or the dominant partner or, you know, whatever their kind of narrative is around what it means to be a man in the bedroom. And so that means like, you know, having to be the active participant as opposed to like the soft, relaxed, like letting go, surrendered participant. And so, yeah, so that, that one little myth of like ejaculation and orgasm being the same thing. Once you kind of like start to crack that open a bit, it, it kind of opens the floodgates for all these other myths to then start to be debunked and rewritten, these stories rewritten. So that's that's what I like to start with with a lot of guys. And that kind of is a big light bulb moment for them. Like, oh, well, I didn't know that about my experience. And then we can start to get the ball rolling from there. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by... 
the spring cleaning champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Yeah, I mean, I've actually talked to several sex coaches and sexologists, and I have never heard that before. In fact, I didn't even know that. I didn't realize that they were actually separate. And so if they aren't the same thing, if someone can recognize and harness into this, is that how a man would have multiple orgasms then? Yeah, that is one one way of having multiple orgasms is learning how to separate at least like distance the timing mm-hmm. between ejaculation and orgasm. So the first like step to that is, uh, you know, paying attention. Like I, I really get guys to tune into the nuances to the subtleties of their orgasm and ejaculation. And very, very typically what they'll notice if they're really paying attention is that the orgasm happens a few milliseconds before their ejaculation happens. So they'll feel mm. that orgasmic spasming. And then the okay. ejaculation will happen just after that. So they, they happen almost simultaneously for a lot of guys. But uh-huh. if they really pay attention, they'll notice a slight difference. And so it's like, okay, great. Now that we notice that there's like a slight timing difference, let's start to work towards like lengthening that time in between those two. And so uh-huh. I say to guys, you know, your orgasm doesn't happen or doesn't start when you're right before ejaculation, your orgasm actually starts or you know, begins to happen when you're you know, starting to build that arousal before you've even touched your cock. You know, that's when your orgasm mm-hmm. starts. So instead yeah. of you know, orgasm being this transitory peak experience that comes and goes very quickly, I start to reframe their, ex- you know, their experience of orgasm to be like this orgasmic state, right? And things that happen within this state are you know, orgasmic and, and this orgasm can be kind of lengthened. And so- that, that kind of psychologically helps them reframe it. And then if we think like some physical, practical things that they can do is I get them to like spend time in that heightened state of arousal. This is kind of like an edging practice, I suppose, but like mm-hmm. spend time in that like 
eight, nine, 10 out of 10 space before they're about to ejaculate and, and uh-huh. you know, get familiar with that. And then when they're in that space, start to then play around voluntarily with like squeezing and contracting their PC muscle, their, their pelvic mm-hmm. diaphragm muscles. And that kind mm-hmm. of like mimics the, the kind of orgasmic spasming sensations that happen mm-hmm. when they're having an ejaculatory orgasm. But when they're doing mm-hmm. it voluntarily in that really heightened state of arousal, they can sometimes trigger that kind of muscle memory of the body and have like this, you know, the voluntary, you know, squeezing and contracting turns into involuntary spasms. And they have what I call a flutter orgasm, which is kind of like this pseudo orgasm or this faux orgasmic, you know, kind of spasming experience that doesn't involve an ejaculation because they're not triggering the Mm. ejaculation reflex. They're doing it, you know, voluntarily. So, and that then kind of opens up a little wider. They're like, oh, wow, I kind of had this experience. There was no ejaculation associated with it. And then they're able to kind of, there's a lot more to the process, but that's kind of the beginnings of it. And then they go a bit further and a bit further and a bit further until it becomes this thing that they can kind of consciously choose how to do. So that's one That's one method. There's a few methods. Like the other one is learn how to have prostate orgasms, for example, because they don't mm. involve an ejaculation just by simply sure. the way that they innovate the nervous system. But uh, yeah. I'll rant if you keep on letting me go, but I'll, I'll pause it there. <laughs> well, you know, that, that brings up a good question for a good point for me that I'd like to bring up is that some men are very hesitant to do the prostate thing because they don't like the process of it. And mm. how do you think people break through that so that they could, you know, maybe tap into that pleasure? Yeah. So there's a lot of resistance to, to I mean, anal play, right, is like the the broad category that prostate stimulation falls under because there are there are ways that you can stimulate the prostate without penetrating the anus and and mm. you know for example it's like pressing firmly into the perineum which is that space in between the genitals and the anus you can you can press up into that and massage it deeply and that will stimulate externally sure. the prostate you might like to press like a wand vibrator up into that area of the body as well and that can mm. also kind of you know externally vibrate the prostate and, sure. and some guys are okay doing that. They they feel that it's a little bit vulnerable, but they're okay doing it. But it's the penetration uh-huh. of their of their ass, yeah. which is what they're like really having a lot of re- resistance and reluctance to. Sure. And so there's a there's a couple of reasons. Like the the ones that are easier to mitigate and work through is like the hygiene reason, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, yes. you know, just douche, have a shower, wear some latex gloves, you know, use some water based lube so it's easier to clean, things like mm-hmm. that. There's the some guys are worried that it's gonna hurt, you know, that's gonna be painful. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, I always ask them, if you've never done it, how do you know? You know, where does that story <laughs> come from? And so yeah. oftentimes it comes from porn, comes from yeah. they've heard their mates have bad experiences of prostate examinations, for example. You know, I, yeah. I always say, well, that's not supposed to be a pleasurable experience, you know. Like it's, <laughs> right. um, it's supposed to be uncomfortable, you know. And then, uh, and then I, I often hear guys say, oh, you know, I, I've heard it from women. They've had like bad anal sex experiences. And so mm-hmm. it's like, sure. you know. So it's like okay, let's let's unpack that. But that's that's relatively easy to mitigate as well. It's like I say to them, you know, if you're rushing it, if you're not using lube, if you're not being sensitive, if you're doing it incorrectly, it'll probably be uncomfortable, probably be, be painful. So let's do it properly. Right. Let's slow down. Let's breathe. Let's get you into you know the proper position. Let's use lube. Let's not start with something you're not trying to insert a a fist in there to begin with, right? Let's start right. with a finger and and you know work our way up. So that's easy enough to mitigate. The major one, the one that you know people are probably like listening to this and screaming out at is the internalized <laughs> homophobia. So a lot of guys have this yes. like fear of, oh, if I put something up my ass, it means something about my sexuality right. or it means something yes. about my masculinity. I'm lesser than, uh-huh. right? Because we've got this, 
homo hysteria in our society where mm-hmm. for a lot of guys yes. you're less of a man if you're if you're gay you're less of a you're less masculine if you're homosexual so which Thanks. of course is not true at all and you know so the first thing i say to guys all the time is of course there's nothing wrong with being gay like there's that, that's right. you know the first thing you need to kind of get out of the way with guys and, and a lot of guys are like yeah i know that i know that but there's like still this kind of internalized fear that's going on for them so i often share with them that like there's some some surveys out there of um you know what they asked couples researchers asked couples both heterosexual couples and homosexual couples including lesbian couples and and gay male couples and you know they asked what do you do sexually like what what's your sexual right. experiences look like and they found that about i think it was 33% of like gay men in couples engage in you know, penetrative sex regularly like you know um, penis in anus sex regularly mm-hmm. and about 25% of heterosexual couples engage in some sort of penetration in the male partner's anus. So you're like, you know, I would personally say that it's probably more than 25%, but because the stigma, it gets underreported. Yeah. And so you're you're seeing like one in four, possibly more, and one in three for gay men. And that's pretty similar, right? And and so the reason why I bring that up with guys who have this reluctance is we all have- Anuses. We've, we've all got assholes, and so because every <laughs> single person has an asshole, we all do things to each other's bumholes at about the same rate, right? Like there, there's, right. You know, we're all kind of averagely averaging out at the same same rate because people find it pleasurable, right? And so like there's this because there's this story that it's like solely the domain of gay men is anal you know, right. penetration, and so I kind right. of help break that story down, and then it's like you know a whole process of getting the guys comfortable with exploring their body in general. Because a lot of men, I talk to them about the way that they masturbate, for example, and mm-hmm. um, they're very centralized or very localized to their penis, right? And maybe, right. Them, maybe some of them incorporate their testicles, maybe some of them incorporate their nipples. But for the mm-hmm. most part, a lot of guys that I've spoken to don't venture outside of that, that kind of like genital area. And so, oh, sure. you know, the, so the practice before they even get to their ass is like- you know, let's explore your body. You often say my little tagline <laughs> is you're not just your dick, you're actually one huge right. dick, right? So from your <laughs> from the tip of your toes to the top of your head, you you can feel pleasure. Um, <laughs> and so I get guys, well, I encourage them I suppose to like explore their body, their their whole body through like a process called pleasure mapping, like mapping pleasure mm-hmm. across their body. And then when nice. they come back to me after doing that practice and that I say to them, okay, you know, was there any parts of your body that you didn't touch or you know you know was there anything that you didn't explore a lot of them go no 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 i did the whole thing you know i started at my toes i'm like okay what about your ass and they're like oh yeah didn't didn't do that you know and so there's this it kind of doesn't even cross their mind that's how a lot of guys are tuned out to to that idea they kind of you know out of sight out of mind so yeah totally totally so um so then i you know i go so what was the you know what was the, the process like of exploring your body and exploring your pleasure? They're like, yeah, it was like super interesting and I learned all this stuff. And it's like, okay, now can we extend that same mentality, that same openness, that same curiosity to this other part of your body that you haven't explored? And so that kind of like helps de-stigma and you know, remove the taboo a little bit of like exploring their bum, right? And I get them to like explore like the buttocks first. And then before they even insert mm. anything, it's like, let's, you know, explore with like lubed up finger, like the, the rim and, and stuff like that. So it's not like, I don't know why. Every time I talk about like prostate stimulation to guys, a lot of them jump to, 
oh, God, I'm going to have to stick this massive thing in my bum. And it's like, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, where did you get that from? So, uh, right. so there's, there's a lot of like, yeah, just assumptions and expectations. It's just like dialing that all back. And and I've got this whole process that I, I take men through. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a whole learning experience for a lot of guys. And, it's, and again, like it ends up being like a happy accident. They have this prostate orgasm after a little <laughs> while and they, they're like, whoa. That was incredible and like becomes this kind of light bulb moment for them as well because it usually doesn't involve an ejaculation. And so their body has, again, this experiential learning and they uh, yeah, and they go on another another journey, I suppose. So, yeah, that's, I could keep ranting about that as well, like I said, but I'll, I'll put a pause on that if you, if you wanted to ask any <laughs> other questions. Well, yeah, and one thing I wanted to say is like people feel like, you know, sexual orientation is an act. It's not an act. Yeah. And that's where people get confused and they cross it and they're like, oh, well, if, if I do that, then that means I'm I'm gay or, you know, yeah, then it's funny how people have that view. And I don't know where that comes from. I guess it comes from our society, but it's just, it's very odd that people cross that and think that that's what that means. Yeah. It's yeah, a weird I phenomenon. <laughs> 100% agree with you. Like something I say to guys is like, if you're having sex with a woman and she's pegging you, for example, or sticking your finger up your bum. That right. you know doesn't make you gay because by definition no. you are having heterosexual sex. You are a, <laughs> exactly. a man and a woman having sex regardless of what that sex looks like. So yeah, you, yeah, that's something I, I often try and reinforce is the act doesn't determine your orientation. That's not how exactly. sexuality works. Yeah. yeah. Even if you did it once, that doesn't mean that's what you are. And that's where people get like, oh, it's just so interesting. It's just our cultures do this to us and make us think these mm. things and it's just all messed up. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I liked agree. <laughs> when I was looking through your your Instagram, I noticed a quote that I really liked, and I thought of it when you were just talking about curiosity and what you just said. Where you said, "I think it was something like curiosity should be the cornerstone of our sexuality." Did I get that right? I think that's just a fantastic line. Yeah, yeah, I I'm a big believer in cornerstone in sorry in curiosity being just the like it should be the basis right of like yeah. our our sexual uh, you know exploration our sexual journey even like because it extends to our partner as well, you know, like being curious about mm-hmm. your partner's pleasure and your partner's boundaries yes. and like what turns them on, what turns them off, like where their limitations are. Like it's such a, um, yeah. And, and like, cause I'm, I'm a big believer that like sex should be playful and we should be yes. laughing when we have sex and, you know, not all the time, mm-hmm. but at least, you know, it should have some sort of element of play into it. And like curiosity kind of stokes that playfulness, you know what I mean? Like it kind of invites you to be playful and to like be exploratory and to be experimental. So yeah, curiosity is my my cornerstone for sure. I really like that thought and that approach and just that word for it because what that does in my mind is it casts away judgment. Mm. If you're going to go into something with curiosity, it just judgment isn't even involved. So it just sheds that off, you know, just get rid of that shit. You don't want that. I just think that's just very interesting way to look at it and and talk about it and present it to people. And there's no room for judgment if you're going into things with curiosity. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of shame and moralizing when it comes to sex, mm-hmm. particularly in our, I mean, in all societies, but particularly in the society that, you know, kind of we exist in. And, um, yep. and so I think like, and I don't think people are curious enough, like in general, you know what I mean? Like I think yes. curiosity is, is sorely lacking, yes. you know, kind of collectively, regardless of whether it's sexual or not. So, um, yeah, right. I just think it's an important principle in, in general as well, but I, I, you know, for sure apply it to, to sex. Yeah, we just have way too much judgment is what we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Unfortunately, totally. we need to replace that with curiosity. <laughs> mm. Let's shed that. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you feel are the benefits to masturbation? I know what I think, but I'm curious what you have to say about it. 
Beautiful. So I, you know what? I get asked questions all the time by men saying, is it like, okay to masturbate? You know, like they, they right. have this, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think there's this, like the way that we talk about male masturbation is like, obviously it's a lot more prevalent. Like we talk about it a lot more in society than we do female mm-hmm. masturbation. I want to yep. flag that to begin with, but like the way that we talk about it is not very beneficial. It's not very helpful. In my opinion, it's, it's oftentimes right. talked about in a bit, bit of a like degrading, self-deprecating yes. way. You know, like if you are masturbating, you're a bit of a loser. Like you can't get you're a, a real partner if you're a masturb. Yeah, you're a pervert. You're a kind of a creepy guy. God forbid mm-hmm. you use toys when you masturbate as well. That's a whole nother layer of stigma and oh yes. and taboo. If you're a guy that uses toys to masturbate, mm-hmm. you're this extra creepy guy. That's yeah. a whole thing that I'm really passionate about dispelling as well, having started to yes. work with a, a toy company. But so 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 that's the first thing I, I want to say is like I get a lot of like yeah, just a lot of questions and a lot of fear of guys being like, okay, I masturbate this often. Is that normal? Is that weird? Am I going to do some damage? Right. And so my so my first thing is just like normalizing it. Like masturbation is normal. Pretty much everyone does it. Yep. And it's uh, and and like you know this is a bit of a different conversation, but I just want to like add this in here because I also think it's important. Like a lot of people masturbating, you know, relatively young as well. And that's totally fine. Yes. You know, people are touching mm-hmm. their bodies and, and, you know, exploring their erections and stuff before, you know, that the quote unquote age of consent and stuff like that. And that's very normal. Yep. So, uh, but people don't want to talk about that. That's, there's a whole stigma around talking about that as well. There um, is, yeah. So my opinion is that masturbation is uh, firstly normal, common and beneficial for exploring your like exploring your your turn-ons, right? Exploring your turn-offs as well. I think it can be a really mm-hmm. useful tool for like, you know, getting a robust understanding about your sexuality and what it is that you find pleasurable, what it is that you don't necessarily find pleasurable, which can then give you stuff to talk about with a partner, right? Like you can say, oh, I actually really like this particular type of stimulation and I don't particularly like this. So it gives you conversations and, and stuff to communicate about with a partner. The analogy that I have for that is, and this is not mine, but I, I feel like me cannot remember the woman who came up with this analogy, but it's the, the jam session between musicians, right? Sex is like a jam mm, session. And so yeah. going into that jam session, you've got to be pretty familiar with your instrument, right? In order to yes. be able to play music with this other person. If you go in you know, with a guitar and you don't know how to play guitar, then it's not going to be a very conducive, you know, for a, a fun time. Uh, so exploring like your own instrument and like learning how to tune it, learning how to play it, I think is really, really important for like playing with someone else. But then also like, you know, I've kind of framed it as, and I've intentionally done that because when I speak to a lot of guys, there's a big blockage when it comes to doing something for their own pleasure. Mm. A lot of guys have this like mentality that pleasure is like kind of weak or it's, you know, effeminate or pleasure for pleasure's sake is like a waste of time and like they should yeah, be hustling yeah. and grinding and like being stoic and, you know, working to achieve something. And, you know, our late stage capitalistic mentality is like we've always got to be producing something and like everything's right. going to have a goal and we've got to achieve and we can't waste any time. So, right. um, so whenever I talk to guys about this is just like a little meta coaching thing. Whenever I talk to guys about masturbation, I always frame it to begin with as here's what it can do to help your sex life, right? Here's what it can do to like help you have better sex as opposed to like right. starting with the obvious, which would be like, well, here's how it's <laughs> good for your pleasure, right? And and how right. much you can yes. enjoy it. Uh, because yeah, I often find that guys kind of shut off a little bit when I when I start that way. So the first thing I say is, yeah, it's good for, for bettering your sex life. 
but then of course it's also good for for tuning into your own body it's like a self-care practice it's can be used for mood regulation it can be really beneficial for like exploring pleasure like i said for pleasure's sake a lot of guys go through the motions when it comes to masturbation they just kind of try and get to ejaculation as quickly as possible mm-hmm. which you know can be okay but if that's like the only thing you're doing when you're masturbating and that's like how you masturbate for years on end then it can become a little bit of a, a crutch or it can become a little bit of a yeah. um you know i don't like the, the term addiction but it can become like a little bit of a compulsion to kind of like just get to that mm. ejaculation and so right. you know when we start to open up self you know i i use the term self-pleasuring instead of masturbating a lot of the time because masturbation mm, has a lot yeah. of the word has a lot of baggage mm-hmm. and connotations to it but self-pleasuring yes. might not even involve touching your genitals you know it could just be true exploring other parts of your body it could just be going for a walk or smelling a certain smell and and just enjoying the sensuality of of life and so a lot of guys aren't familiar with that and so so self-pleasuring can be really beneficial for just like slowing them down tuning them in being present you know noticing how they're feeling using have this practice where i teach men how to use self-pleasuring as a way to move through other types of emotions right so self-pleasuring of course is meant to be pleasurable but in conjunction with that pleasure, can they bring in some grief or can they bring in anger or can they bring in sorrow or can they bring in some elation and some joy? Like what else is going on in their life? Can they use this as a practice to move through those emotions in a self-pleasuring kind of way? So there's a, yeah, so there's a lot of value, I think, in, in like connecting to their body, moving through that. You know, I talk a lot about the energetics of ejaculation as well. So like using ejaculation as a way to like, let go and release stuff that they've been holding on to. You know, a lot of guys do this mm-hmm. unconsciously. They they come home from a long day of work and they go, oh, fuck, I'm pent up. I just need to jerk off, right? And they bust yeah. a nut and then they feel like, oh, thank God that's over. Like, that's done. Right. They kind of feel like a weight's off their shoulder. So a lot of guys are doing that really unconsciously. Mm-hmm. They can tap into that a lot more, you know, with a lot more intentionality and they can use ejaculation as the way to move stuff that they've been holding on to, some emotional baggage sure. they might be holding on to. Like ejaculation can really used energetically in that way as a, as a really fantastic tool. So uh, again, I'll keep on going if you let me, but there's so many, <laughs> so many benefits, I think, to self-pleasuring masturbation and, and learning about the ways that it can be used in, in a multitude of different ways. I think it's interesting in our society where we're pretty much okay with things like self-pleasuring, like sitting in a hot tub, going swimming, getting a massage, but then you bring in sexual pleasure into it. And all of a sudden people shut down, but like, no, 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 no. I, you know, like somehow people mm. separate that. And I'm like, it's all pleasure. How is, why is that separate? Yeah. But we've put it separate. Yeah, totally. I 100% agree with you. And I I think like there's a, again, we talked about it before, right? So there's like, like shame and, and moralizing mm. of of masturbation in particular, right? Especially yes. you've got the, the religious stigma mm-hmm. around masturbating for sure. And yep. yeah, I, I think for men as well, there's like just stigma around pleasure in general regardless of whether it's getting a massage or not, right? The guys are notorious for not going and taking care of themselves. Right. So I think that like that adds a layer to it, especially for for men. Uh, and I think like it's empowering, right? It's empowering to like learn about your sexuality and to explore yeah. pleasure and to have these experiences. But it's not for a lot of guys, it isn't framed that way. I think like there's a really, I think the way that we talk about women's masturbation, women's pleasure is like, mm-hmm. even though we don't do it enough, I think it's like really beneficial the way we are talking about it as framing it as like yes. really empowering as really like diverse. And so I think like the conversation around men's 
masturbation and pleasure needs to shift in that direction. I think we need to, yes. to, to turn it around a little bit. So, and that's kind of like what I'm trying to do is um, with my work is trying to shift men's mentality around their own pleasure, I suppose. Do you think, I mean, obviously I'm not a man, so I don't know this, but do you feel like more men feel like it's more about their performance than it is about their own pleasure? So then they get stuck in that and they kind of ignore their own pleasure. Not that they're not going to come. Of course, they're going to come because that happens. But do you feel like they kind of like get stuck in that performance mode instead of that enjoyment mode? I totally think that is the case. A lot of men, their sexuality or their sexual experiences, yeah, performance oriented, but they're like, competitively oriented, right? It's like how you compare Mm -hmm. to someone else. Am I bigger than someone else, right? right? Uh Do I last longer than this other person? I've had guys Uh that talk to me about like wanting to like ejaculate more. Their volume of ejaculate needs Mm. to be more than someone else, right? So it's all about how they measure up and or how many orgasms did they give their partner compared to someone else, right? Right. So there's- marks. Yeah, very much so. It's, It's a very sport, you know, uh, oriented, I suppose. It's like, you know, having yeah. sex to, to perform. And when that happens, uh, here's like a caveat that I always want to throw in when I talk about pleasure is a lot of guys don't focus on their pleasure. They focus on their gratification. So um, mm-hmm. I think there is an important distinction to be made between yeah. pleasure and gratification. You talked about uh-huh. pleasure being this like really holistic, you know, diverse experience, right? Like getting a Mm -hmm. massage, going for a walk. Pleasure is just like really has this multitude of different experiences. For a lot of guys, they're very good at like sexual gratification, just like busting a nut and just getting it over with and getting that like ejaculation at the end of the tunnel. But they're not very good at exploring their pleasure. And so what I think a lot of guys do is because they're not used to like, well, they're not, whether they're not used to it or whether they haven't been told or whether there's like stories around it, like they don't feel comfortable exploring their pleasure. They just are in it for their own gratification. What they tend to do is a lot of heterosexual guys kind of outsource pleasure to their female partner and Mm. a lot of them doing it in a very constructive or beneficial way. And I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of heterosexual women feel like they need to fake orgasms or like fake the pleasure that they're experiencing because the guys um, kind of, you know, prioritizing, but not in a really healthy way, the woman's pleasure, but it's more like her perceived pleasure because it's based on his performance, right? And it's like his yes, ego is wrapped yes. up in her pleasure. So ego, I think, yes. yeah, I think there's like a, I think personally, I think like there's going to be a uh, a big shift. And I've seen this in couples at a kind of microcosmic level, but at a macro level, I think there'll be a big shift in the way that like heterosexual couples have sex when men start to go, oh shit, like, Pleasure for pleasure's sake is like really important and I can experience a lot of pleasure and then they shift their mentality from gratification and performance to like pleasure and surrender and opening up and exploration because I've seen guys when they do that, when they start to go, holy shit, like pleasure is incredible and it's like, you know, this diverse, you know, expansive experience. I can share that with my partner. I can, I can have this experience together with her. And you know, because they're being curious about their own pleasure, then that by extension becomes a curiosity about her pleasure. What can she experience? How can we experience this together? How can we take this like sexual experience to this really pleasurable depth, I suppose, as a you know, as opposed to like this, you know, I'm just trying to gratify and have this five second sticky white crotch sneeze and then that's it. <laughs> Great. So, I, so I've seen that with like some of the couples I've worked with is when he takes his pleasure more seriously 
Mm-hmm. And he takes responsibility for that. And also by virtue of doing the work, his partner is taking responsibility for her pleasure. Then these two people come together and they go, great. Pleasure's, you know, this thing that we can explore playfully, curiously, experimentally together. How do we do that? Like, let's let's have conversations about that. Let's facilitate each other's pleasure rather than trying to, you know, be responsible for each other's pleasure. Let's take our own responsibility for it and then talk about how we can facilitate that for each other. And that totally shifts um, the way that couples have sex. It's shifted the way that I've had sex with my partner. And for the men that I've worked with, it totally shifts the way that they start to have sex with their partners for the better, at least in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. That's just, that's a really fascinating way to talk about it and think about it and approach it. And I do hope that that happens, that people start to do more of that in in their relations with with each other. Because that's just, I mean, that just really opens up so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like there's, you know, I I talk to men about sexual leadership and not leadership from Mm. a place of like hierarchical leadership, you know, top down. Uh-huh. It's more leadership from a place of horizontal leadership, like leading f- from example, right? And sure, you sure. Know, the, the kind of analogy that I use here for, for guys is like, you know, you've got to be more vulnerable. You've got to be more open. You've got to be, you know, willing to initiate conversations about sex and pleasure and boundaries and turn-ons and fantasies. And, you know, the, again, the analogy that I share is like, it's like stepping into a body of water, stepping into the pool or stepping into a lake, diving in first and and then reaching a hand out to your partner and saying, you know, come and join me in here. The water's fine. Like, you know, I've got you in this. Yeah. Like, let's, let's come and do this together. Uh, and so that's like how I frame, you know, sexual curiosity or sexual exploration or sexual leadership for men is like, you know, you've got to, you've got to dive in pretty much and you've got to be vulnerable and you've got to show up in this way. And if you want your partner to join you, like you've got to invite them in. You can't force them to do it. No. And you can't demand that they do it, but you can invite them to join you in it. And and that's kind of like the the approach that I take for men when it comes to like talking to them about the way that they can join or share with their partner, I suppose, these kind of sexual experiences. And you mentioned the word fantasy. So that brings up a topic that I wanted to talk about, male fantasies. Mm. How do you suggest to men that they bring up fantasies? Like how do they go about that process? Because sometimes people think it's kind of scary or it's so personal. They don't really want to say it, or they may even be embarrassed or ashamed, be ashamed of their fantasy. How do you teach and coach on that particular topic? Yeah. Appreciate you you labeling all of that stuff because you're right. It is, it's scary. It's scary to talk about your fantasies. And I love Brene Brown's definition of vulnerability here because uh, it is it's a vulnerable thing to do to, to talk about your fantasies because it's emotionally exposing it is mm-hmm. a risk and there's a lot of uncertainty when you when it comes to talking yeah. about you know sexuality and fantasies in particular and so the way that i suggest uh like depending on what the fantasy is i suppose but the way that i suggest like initiating a conversation about fantasies is by dialing it back first and like feeling comfortable talking about sex in general Right, so before mm-hmm. you start to dive into like, okay, here's my fantasies to have this like, I don't know, group <laughs> sex experience. Like, can you even talk to your partner about like the sex that you're having already? And if not, right. if that doesn't feel comfortable, you've got to start there. Um, yeah, and mm-hmm. you've got to kind of like essentially lay some strong foundations for having conversations about about sex. And the this is just a general you know piece of advice that I I think is necessary, but like a a bad time to have a conversation about like the sex that you're having is 
in the bedroom right before you're about to have <laughs> sex. Like, of course, right. you, you know, you should be you should be checking in before you're about to have sex. But if you're trying to have a conversation about your sex life in general, not a great yeah. time to do it before no. you know, you're about to, <laughs> to jump in the sack. So, so a a better time, at least in my opinion, is like in a uh, what I call like a low stakes situation or a low pressure situation, which is like when you're going for a walk or when you're going for a drive or when you're having a cup of tea or when you're mm-hmm. having lunch together or whatever it is. But like, it's not a sexualized situation. It's not an eroticized situation. So it's a little bit easier to have conversations around sex because there isn't maybe a lingering anticipation that like, oh God, we've just had this conversation about sex and we're out there, we're about to have sex. Does that mean we have to do everything <laughs> that we just spoke about right now? And and it becomes, right. it becomes a bit more of a high pressure situation in those, in those times. Yeah. So- that's a general rule of thumb is like have conversations about sex in non-sexual settings. Mm-hmm. And then this is a a um, a little piece of advice that I typically give t- to women who ask me, how do I talk to my male partner about sex is, right. and guys can leverage this as well if they are tuned into like their maybe uncomfortability when it comes to having a conversation about sex is do something physical together with your partner. So like- mm. Go for a, uh, go for a walk together. That's a great, simple, easy one. Could be going for sure. a swim. You know, going to the beach, out into the ocean, going for a swim. Could be if you're into hiking, go hiking together. Like I really love kicking a ball around with my wife, and I've got a little son, so we kick a ball around together. But the idea mm. is like by doing that, it's very helpful. At least I've seen this for a lot of guys of getting them out of their head and like into their mm. body. And so when they're talking sure. about something, they're not like overanalyzing it and trying to like, God, if I say this, like what's she going to think? Or if I you know, say this the wrong way, it kind of is helpful for kind of getting them out of that headspace where they're kind of that like overthinking and being over anxious and it gets them into their body and allows them to kind of feel a bit more. And it's just a very simple, useful little strategy. So if that lands for anyone, I you know, recommend going doing something physical with your partner whilst you have a conversation and just notice if that's a little bit easier for you. So that's, those are some general principles. When it comes to I guess like initiating a conversation about fantasies. My suggestion here is like talking not necessarily about the details of the fantasy itself, but about what it is about that fantasy that turns you on. That like what mm. why do you want to explore that? Like what's the what's the what is it about that fantasy that really interests you? What is it about that fantasy that really like turns you on and like stokes that arousal in you and 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 so, like, a, I don't know, here's an example. It's like your fantasy is to have uh, a threesome, right? Very, It's a very common, mm-hmm. simple one to kind of talk about. Right. If your fantasy is to have, like, a, a threesome, introduce another person into your, your relationship for a sexual encounter, you know, instead of trying to talk about, like, you know, this is the person that I want to bring in, like, you know, here's, you know, we'd be doing this and that and that sort of stuff. Talk about, like, having an extra person really turns me on because I – I get really aroused when I see you exploring pleasure with someone else. So I get really aroused mm. when there's like uh, multiple people and the attention is on me. That's something that really turns me on or, you know, really claiming and taking ownership of like, this is my arousal and this is, you know, where what I get pleasure from. And this is what it is about this fantasy that I drive, um, you know, interest in or, or I drive like pleasure from. So um, you're kind of like, again, Coming back to like what I was saying about sexual leadership, it's it's um, you know, leading from a place of vulnerability and leading from a place of like, okay, this is I'm taking responsibility for this. I'm taking like ownership of this. I'm not trying to outsource it. This is like where I get pleasure from. This is where I get arousal from. This is where I get turned on by. 
hopefully that makes sense. Like describing the why as opposed to the what is mm. my my uh, generalized piece of advice. And then when it comes to talking about fantasies as well, there's it's always important to to distinguish like is this just a fantasy and it's something that I want to remain a fantasy or is it something mm-hmm. that is a fantasy that I have a desire to act out in real life, you know, because there are differences. There are fantasies that actually don't really care about acting that out in real life. It's not something that's, or it might be something that's like a fantasy that's, you know, so fantastic that, or fantastical that it's impossible to act out in real life, you know? (laughs) Right. And so it's like, okay, so that's going to remain in my imagination. That's going to remain in the porn that I watch, you know, or the the, animation that I consume. Versus like something that is maybe a dialed down version of that. That's like, you know, here's something that is something that I'm interested in. And it's something that stokes that fantasy, but isn't maybe this, this um, super fantastical one that, that can't exist. So like, that's another you know, way of initiating it. Well, I guess like navigating a conversation around fantasies is like, you know, this is something that I fantasize about when I'm alone and it's not something I actually want to do versus this is something that I, you know, fantasize about and would like to explore with you. and I. Emphasizing the like with you part, if it involves your partner, yeah. is also a, a um, like a good principle to to have when it comes to talking about fantasies. Is like this is something I want to explore with you. I'm sharing this with you. I want to like have this experience together. I want to explore pleasure together, turn ons and arousals together, and and you're inviting that back from your partner. Is there something that you fantasize about? Is there something that you're interested in? Is there something that you haven't done that you'd like to explore? It can be a, a really beautiful way of like co-creating fantasies together. There's a, there's a very uh, simple but quite profound um, practice or a little exercise called the yes, no, maybe so activity, which mm. is essentially, if, and if you just Google yes, no, maybe so, you'll find a bunch of different versions of it on Google. They're essentially just PDF lists of heaps of sexual activities and you go through the list together with your partner, maybe having a glass of wine or a cup of tea and you go through this list and you indicate, are you a yes to that activity? Are you a no? Are you a maybe? And then it gives you other options as well as like, is that a fantasy? Is that a fantasy that you have that's just a fantasy and you, you, you want to act it out like I was talking about? Is it a yes, you would like to do that to your partner? Or is it a yes, you would like that have done to you from your partner? You know, it gives you a bunch of options to, to indicate and explore. And then by virtue of doing that, you know, because this list has just got a whole bunch of different activities on there, there'll be things that you're both like, no, that's no way I'm into, <laughs> into that. But you might find that there's some things that you both align on, like I'm a yes to this. Yes. Oh, I'm also a yes to this. Oh, we, I didn't I didn't know that. And you never had to bring that up. You know what I mean? Like you never had to initiate right. this conversation about this particular yes. fantasy or this activity. The game brought it up, you know, like the, the yes. activity bore the weight of that initiation of that conversation, so to speak. So- Absolutely. So it can be can be conducive for like bringing up a, a bunch of different things. So yeah, I, I quite like using that with couples as well as like it's a it's a really useful little game and it, and it adds an element of playfulness and it adds a little bit of curiosity as well because there's things on there that you wouldn't have thought about like oh that's interesting I hadn't even thought about that I'm a yes to that you know and so it's it's conducive for for a lot of that uh, yeah th- those are my my basic strategies without knowing what a person's fantasy particularly is. I like that too because. It kind of like takes the awkwardness out of it. I mean, you're both looking at a piece of paper. You're not looking at the other person saying, hey, do you want to do this? It's it's not so direct. It's more subtle and indirect. And it's not like in your face, you know, so it's 
I think that's a great tool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I use quite a lot. And there's, there's other little games that I like to play around with as well. There's, you can get like little card games, which is like a, would you rather? Mm, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, would you rather have, you know, sex with three people at one time or have sex with three different people in, you know, separate times, but in one night, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. There's like right. a little opportunity there to, to explore different types of scenarios. And some of them might be your fantasies. Some of them might not be another like little way of doing that is, getting you both to write down a bunch of different you know, sexual scenarios, some that you're really into, some that you're not really into, and throw them into a hat together. And and then, you know, over a glass of wine, like, you know, pull out things from a hat and talk about that particular scenario. You know, and if you're worried about handwriting, like type them up with the same font and chuck them in there and, and, and <laughs> have a conversation about it. So that's like another, that's like another strategy is like, okay, let's talk about these things that we've drawn out of a hat. It's, you know, let's enact the thing that we've just drawn out of a hat, you know, and, and, right. and you know, have a conversation around that. So there's, there's heaps of little ways of keeping it light and playful as opposed to, oh, we've got to sit down and have this serious conversation about sex, which is what a lot of people right. resort to because that's all they kind of really know. They're, they haven't been given a lot yeah. of other frameworks for, for talking about sex. So true. So true. So I have a question for you. Since you're so open to talking about sexuality, do you have advice for people that want to give a good blowjob? So before I start talking about this, I would highly recommend to people that are interested in that question, checking out the work of a lovely woman by the name of Parrish Blair. She has an incredible, incredible workshop called How to Give a BJ with a Heart Full of Gratitude. And, and, And she's... Fantastic. I've, I've collaborated with her on a few things and she's fantastic at what she does. The, uh, the, like, the core tenet, I would say, of like her work around like how to give a BJ is that you, as the person who's giving the BJ, have to enjoy it. And, mm-hmm. um, and so like, that's like essentially the fundamental principle that I would share with someone who's like, you know, I want to, you know, I want to know how to give a person a better blowjob. It's like, well, firstly, are you enjoying giving the blowjob? And if you're right. not, then it's like, that's where we got to start. We got to start on like, this is got to be pleasurable for you. Right. And, and then by virtue of that, it's going to be pleasurable for, for your partner. So the, um, the, the things I, I would, I would suggest to begin with, with regards to like just some generalized um, tips, let's say is, I guess the first thing, this is just like somewhat related, but is, is, like don't necessarily be goal oriented with regards to like giving a blowjob. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like, you know, some guys have difficulty maintaining an erection during a blowjob or have difficulty getting mm-hmm. an erection during a blowjob or have difficulty ejaculating from oral sex. And so if you're going into the blowjob with regards to like, okay, I'm going to get him hard. I'm going to make him come like similar to like, if you had a guy doing that to you, who was like pressuring yeah. you into to yeah. feeling aroused and to orgasming. It's a it's mm-hmm. a similar experience. And so so going into it with like pleasure mindset as opposed to performance mindset, trying to get something mm-hmm. from it can be yes. a, a good headspace to be in. And so part of that could be like, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of women around the sensation of feeling their partner go from flaccid to erect whilst um like whilst his penis is in their mouth. And so mm-hmm. like sure. can you can you explore that, right? Can you explore the the subtleties and the, and the nuances and the kind of gradual buildup of, of firmness um, 
and the feeling of that in your mouth. Like that could be a, a way to kind of explore pleasure in a, in a different way with regards to blowjobs. Sure. But then if we're talking about like specific areas of the penis to like stimulate and to touch and use your tongue and, and lips and mouth on the like some major areas to, to be mindful of is like the frenulum, which is the area, mm-hmm. the kind of V-shaped area just below the head of the penis on the underside of the shaft. Uh, there's a lot of sensitivity there for, for a lot of guys. So like, you know, spending a bit of attention on that area of the penis with a tongue or with like the lips can be really beneficial. The coronal ridge or the simply just known as the corona is like the raised ridged area of the head of the penis, kind of like the um, the the base of an acorn, for example. Yes. That can, mm-hmm. that can be pleasurable space for a lot of guys as well. There's usually a lot of nerve endings in that area. The head of the penis in general is typically a lot more sensitive than the shaft of the penis. So mm-hmm. spending time uh, you know, stimulating that in, in different ways. A lot of guys are very used to like very vigorous up and down friction-based stimulation when they masturbate. Ah. And so, like, if a guy is, like, really used to that and that's, like, how he's conditioned himself to experience pleasure, he might Mm. be one of the guys that feels a little bit um, like it's difficult for him to maintain an erection or it's difficult for him to maintain, you know, uh, arousal if you're uh, giving him oral sex. So, you know, being patient around that and helping him, like, explore the sensation of, like, some light stimulation on his frenulum could be like mm-hmm. a really profound experience for him, right? Because it might not be something that he does when he's by himself. And right. so there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in that, right? There's a lot of like mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with it as well, especially if you know a lot of guys are, get into a, a pretty you know, insecure space if they lose an erection when they're being sexual with their partner. So you know, being able yeah. to like hold space for him in that, there's a lot of power in that as well. So you know, in, I mean, some other things that just come up into my mind is like incorporating stimulation of the testicles as well. The the skin of the testicles is analogous to the skin of the labia. So like oh, think about nice. the think about the sensitivity that you need um, when you know you have your labia stimulated. It's like that's a similar level of sensitivity that you need to have when sure. you're stimulating the the testicles. And so some very simple um, some like simple things you can do is like run the back of your fingernails over the testicles like really mm. lightly. That's generally quite enjoyable. Like gentle tugging or gentle pulling of the testicles can be quite enjoyable for some men as well. Sure. So you can obviously do that with the hands or with a mouth. The, uh, I guess, like if I'm if I'm like expanding a little bit here, like incorporating other areas of his body as well. So like you know, placing hands on his chest or placing hands on his mm. belly or placing hands on his hips. Right. You know, whilst whilst performing oral sex can be helpful. Um, there's, I mean, there's heaps, there's heaps of things that, that you can, you can try, but like solicit feedback, you know what I mean? Like ask him, yeah. is, you know, is he enjoying this? Like, you know, encourage him to make noise. Like a lot of guys are very yes. stifled when it comes to like talking uh-huh. about, you know, oh, that's really enjoyable or that turns me on or that's so hot or that feels good. Or just like moaning or sighing. A lot of guys don't do that. They feel right. awkward about doing it. So if you can encourage mm-hmm. him to coax it out of him, to give him some, give you some feedback. Yes. That'll that'll help with regards to like, okay, I know that he's enjoying this. I know that he you know doesn't like <laughs> this particular part. Because a lot of guys will say, and because I've asked a lot of guys, you know, if you ask him like, what do you like? Like, I just, I like everything. Just, I, li- I like, you know, I like yeah. you just going down on me. It's like, okay, well, that's great. Um, and you can be a smart <laughs> ass about it and like 
you know, a, you know, gently nibble or bite on the side of his cock and be like, okay, is that, you know, I'm going down you, is that right. what you like? And so, and that typically, I've spoken to a lot of sex workers, for example, around like, yeah. you know, they, they, they speak to male clients and they, they say, you yeah, know, what are you into or what are you not into? And a lot of the male clients go, yeah, I'm into everything. And so she goes and gets right. a, a strap on and says, okay, well, let's go. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not into that. So she's like, oh, so there is something that you're not into. I and love that. So you can use a similar kind of similar principle. I think that's really, yeah. um, it's, and it adds to that playfulness as well. And it encourages him to go like, oh, you know, you're right. I actually don't like teeth or I don't like, you know, pressure or I don't like this particular thing. Because he will know because he touches his own cock. But it's just about inviting him to feel comfortable sharing it a bit more. And then that's- the feedback that he's going to give you is only going to help with regards to finding something that that's enjoyable in terms of giving a blowjob. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it at the moment. I could, I could probably keep on going, but I, again, I don't want to <laughs> just keep on rambling. Those are great tips, though. I think those are great. And if I were to sit down and make a list, I probably wouldn't have thought of all of those. So I think that's great to put out there and, you know, yeah, to really think about it. You, you can't like everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no but explore, one really right? likes like, everything. How do you know unless you try? That's like my big thing is like, how do you know unless you give it a shot and then you go, well, you know what? I didn't like that. And if you didn't like that, amazing. You know what I mean? Like you've learned something about your sexuality. You've learned, oh, yes. that wasn't for me. But if you did like it, also amazing because now you've learned something about your sexuality. Oh, I do like that. That's really cool. So I, I feel like regardless of whether you find a boundary or you find area of expansion and exploration, it's still like a beautiful learning experience. Absolutely. No piece of information is bad. It's all going to add to your overall experience and just make it better. So yeah, Mm. that's the attitude we need to have. I agree. So tell me about sex toys. Do you have a favorite one that you tell other men that you just think is just the best? Or, you know, I feel like there's so much talk around sex toys with women, like we were saying earlier, and there really isn't much about men. There's a few out there, but I feel like, you know, yeah, they're not as used. They're kind of seen as, you know, something taboo or just, no, that's not for me. Sex toys are for her. Mm. Uh, Any of that stuff I'd love to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I am. I do have like, quite enjoy prostate stimulation and, and prostate orgasm mm. is something that like I have explored a lot and you know, I'm relatively proficient in. I have a good working relationship with the uh, the product tester and the CEO of Aneros as well. So oh, which nice. I, I highly recommend people like if you're interested in prostate toys, like checking out the Aneros products. Mm-hmm. So I am, am a big uh, like advocate for using prostate massages, but for guys that, you know, aren't, there yet. If I'm mm-hmm. suggesting like a toy to begin with, I'd be suggesting something like a probably like a, a masturbatory sleeve, right? So like yeah. um, mm-hmm. the sure. the brand name that a lot of guys are familiar with is like the Fleshlight, and you know, yeah. Fleshlight mm-hmm. that term, even though it's a brand name, has kind of almost become a synonymous with you know masturbatory aid, which is like the right. the brand of, of or the category of toys that those are. So a flashlight style device is probably like the the toy that I would suggest to guys. And the reason why is because they can, I said before, like a lot of guys are used to up and down friction-based style masturbation, you know, with the hands. They kind yep. of look like a, this is such a random example, but if you've ever been to the zoo and you've seen a chimpanzee jerking off, that's how a lot of guys right. are doing it, unfortunately. It's like <laughs> this really like vigorous up and down way of masturbating. Right. <laughs> and so- and so when it comes to like all these fancy toys, like frenulum stimulators and like, you know, penis head vibrators and things like that, a lot of yeah. them, a lot of them like that, a lot of these like really more elaborate toys, they 
don't need you or they don't, you know, the way that it's designed is not for like up and down friction-based masturbating. And so mm. if a guy starts there, I've typically found when I've suggested something like that, it's a bit awkward for him. He doesn't like, he's not used to like not using his hands in that way. And so it becomes right. like this thing where he's like, oh, it's too like disjointed and discombobulated and he doesn't like, it doesn't build up a lot of pleasure and arousal for him. So right. what I what I do instead is I suggest like starting with like a, a stroker, which is like a little handheld thing that he can put his penis into, like a Tenga egg or something like that, mm. or or a flashlight style, you know, toy, because he can, you know, still use his hands to like stroke it up and down like he would be if he was masturbating. It's like just replacing his hand with the toy and and it's so it's not too far removed from what he's quite used to. And that way it's not too disjointed for him. It's not too awkward for him. And he can add a little bit of lube. And so it it becomes this thing that's like, oh, it's not super strange for me to do this. It's not like I'm just sitting back and having this device like vibrate my penis. It's it's you know something that right. I still have a bit of familiarity with. So that's what I suggest to guys. And and not only is it incredible for like broadening their pathways of pleasure for example like you know adding lube and you know the silic the, the texture of the silicon and the sensations that it adds um, you can diversify a lot of the sensations but on top of that as well and again here's you know i kind of leverage this mentality for guys when it comes to talking about masturbation and self-pleasuring is when they start to explore like a artificial vagina they can use it to learn about certain angles or certain mm. depths of penetration or certain positions sure. of the penis that overstimulating and ones that are not as stimulating so that they can essentially practice for when they're ready to have sex with a partner and mm. they remember from when they were you know inserting into this artificial vagina oh when i go really deep like that it makes me want to come quickly and so when yeah, they're with a partner okay. they can go Okay, I know that if I go really deep, I'm probably going to ejaculate. And you know, yes. for a lot of couples, when he ejaculates, sex is over. That's not yeah. how it should be, but for a lot of couples, that's how it is. Right. But so let so that that masturbatory aid can become this thing that he can learn about his like responses when it comes to penetration, and then he can translate that to sex with a partner and maybe last a little bit longer or explore yeah you know, other positions. Right, like there's. I talk about the art of thrusting with a lot of guys. Like a lot of dudes are just like in and out like a piston and you yeah. know, it's like hammering in a nail. And for right. a lot of, I mean, for a lot of women, that's not super pleasurable. Like for, for, for some, it might be enjoyable, but you know, for right. a lot of women that just kind of in and out motion isn't exactly doing a lot. So I talk mm -hmm. to guys about like, you know, changing the, the angle of their penis when they're penetrating, you know, to maybe yeah. press upwards a little bit into the back of the clitoral complex, you know, or the G spot mm, or, yep. you know, shallow penetration versus deeper penetration. Maybe if they're, mm -hmm. you know, if their penis is long enough to press up against the cervix, like being mindful that it might be tender for some women, some women who sure. maybe have done some cervical awakening might really enjoy it. And so there is this art to, to thrusting and to exploring depths and angles and penetration in a bunch of different ways. And so if a guy doesn't have a partner, that art of thrusting is, not going to be something he's going to be able to practice, you right. know, obviously with his partner's like involvement. So using a, a flashlight style toy can be really beneficial for him to like play around and move his hips. And rather than being like huh. locked up like a, 
like with all this tension in his bum, which is what a lot of guys do. They they thrust, you know, mm. without moving their hips. It's just kind of in and out, you know, flexing their lower spine. So I invite okay. them to like loosen up a bit more and to relax and to start rolling their hips a bit more when they're, you know, being penetrative and when they're, you know, moving in and out rather than like locking up and trying to pound away. Um, and so that's all of that can be can be explored when they're by themselves. They don't have to wait to to do that with a partner. So, and that's all conducive to to opening up, you know, their body and their experience of sensation. And it's also better for for the sex that they're having with their partner. It allows them to like loosen up and to not be so tense, and and all that's really beneficial for partnered sex as well. Yeah, that is so interesting. Like I've never thought of any of that stuff. I mean, I guess because I'm not a man, but <laughs> yeah. I had just never really thought about like the different angles and like to, to, to you know really develop almost like you're, you're creating a roadmap for your body about how you're going to thrust. And I, I just never thought about such a thing. That's fascinating. Yeah, and it's it's fun when you start to explore that with a partner and you start to like mm-hmm. tune in with them and start to ask them for feedback. It's like. You know, some women really like being really quite deeply penetrated. Others find a yeah. lot of enjoyment from that, that first third of penetration in their you know, vagina and the vulva. So like uh-huh, you know, exploring yeah. that with a partner can be really, um, really fun and, and, and playful as well, which is, again, again, a cornerstone of, of what I think sex should be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about ways that men could influence their levels of testosterone naturally. Are there ways that they could do that? Yes. I mean, simplest thing to do is to go do some physical exercise. Like that just Mm. by virtue of you doing anything like strenuous, that's going to build, that's going to build your or elevate your testosterone naturally. So like go and lift some weights, go, uh, go do some hard running, go do some push-ups. like literally just exert some physical energy and that'll, that'll Mm. elevate your testosterone temporarily for that moment. But if you're doing it consistently and Here's what's important as well is with regular uh, intermissions, with regular breaks of recovery and recuperation, that'll help Mm. naturally build testosterone over time. And Mm. it won't like, here's what guys also need to remember is it's not going to continue going up. (laughs) You'll get to a point (laughs) where you'll plateau and that's totally fine. There's this weird obsession with like, got to have more, got to have more, got to have more testosterone, got to keep on going. Like line must go up. And that's just not how anything in the human body works, right? Um, Right. Unless right. you're artificially, you know, doping, let's yeah. say, um, then it's going to keep on going up and that creates a whole other slew of problems. So you're, you're supposed to hit a plateau and, and maintaining that and optimizing that is what's necessary rather than just like keep on trying to increase testosterone. That's not healthy. Sure. But yeah, so physical exercise is, is super simple way to do that. The other one is like just eating healthily, you know, like- mm making sure you're getting I'm I'm not a dietitian so I can't go too deep into this but just making sure like you're you're getting like the right amount of fats making sure you're like just people know how to eat, eat healthy you know what I mean like it's pretty simple yeah. to eat healthy you just like cut the processed shit out start eating more you know whole foods essentially and mm-hmm. and that'll like balance your your um, hormones out for the most part the other you know some other strategies that I've heard people talk about is like you know connecting in with your balls, you know, like I've heard some guys talk about, you know, sunning your testicles or like, you mm. know, I've heard other practitioners talk about like, you know, tapping your balls and like trying to wake mm. them up and things like that. And you can do all that sort of stuff. But I think at the end of the day, and this is what I encourage guys to do is like just in the shower, like 
cup your balls for a minute in the shower and just mm. like breathe into them. And, you know, you should be checking your balls pretty regularly for lumps and bumps and other mm. abnormalities. That's just sure. a, a health practice that you should do. But you can turn that yep. into like a, okay, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to do some deep diaphragmatic breathing. I'm going to breathe down into my you know, pelvic diaphragm. I'm going to breathe down into my pelvic muscles. I feel that in my testicles, feel it in my balls. And that moment of presence, that moment of connecting in with your body, that moment of like almost like honoring your testicles can be mm. a um, powerful practice in general, but it's also helpful for like, uh, it's almost like a little meditation, which we know is yeah, beneficial for yeah. like cortisol. And we know that cortisol mm-hmm. and testosterone have an inverse relationship. So it's not necessarily going to elevate your testosterone. I don't think that's necessarily what it does, but I think it, it slows you down. It brings you back to that relaxed space. And all that is really beneficial for not not like detracting from your testosterone production. So that's um, those are some pretty simple ways. And then, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other stuff out there, but those are my strategies for, for men when they ask me about testosterone production. That sounds fantastic. Well, I would love it if you told me a little bit about your podcast because you're a podcaster too, and we haven't even touched on that yet. So your podcast is Men, Sex, and Pleasure, right? Yeah, it is. And we're probably about a hundred and something episodes in now, which is really exciting. Nice. And the... Yeah, the podcast started off, I started off just interviewing other men mm. and that was, uh, I was interviewing trans men and intersex people who like identify more masculine. And then mm-hmm. I, I opened it up to just, you know, everyone really, because I think there's so much value from speaking to to everyone, non-binary individuals and women and you know, other presenting people. And, and this idea that, I don't know. Guys have this idea that they need to learn about masculinity from other men. And I think there's so yeah. much value in learning about masculinity from from everyone. I think everyone can have like some sort of insight into to masculinity. And I think it's really valuable. Sure. So, yeah. So, the podcast talks about like male bodies, men's experiences of pleasure, masculinity, sexuality, all the intersections of all those things. And I've had like, you know, uh, yeah, some really fascinating conversations about so we're just talking about testosterone. I've had Lucas Owen on the podcast who talks about like, you know, adaptogenics and nootropics and how to build and, and cultivate, you know, testosterone without mm. using supplements and things like that. I've had yeah. you know, other guys on there talk about, you know, how to use plants as aphrodisiacs, you know, and, and mm. you know, instead of maybe using pharmaceuticals like Viagra and Cialis, like what you can do to use like maybe goji berries and cacao instead. Mm, and yeah, yeah it's a whole bunch of really like fascinating and interesting conversations that I think are really, I enjoy it. The podcast is for me at the end of the day. If I don't enjoy having the conversations, <laughs> then, you know, what's the point? So I, I've, right. I've had some really, really great times on there, but yeah, it's, it's cool. And it's like, it's, it's practical advice as well. I try to keep things as practical as possible. You know, I, I ask people questions around like, what do they do for work? And like, how, how does that help people? And like, what are some strategies they can give right here, right now for people that are listening uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's fun. I like it. Thanks for letting me plug it. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're on all of the podcast apps, like all probably across the board, right? I believe so. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a lovely podcast editor, Dan, who uploads it all for me. And I, mm. from what I understand that it's like wherever you get your podcast from, you can, you can find men, sex and pleasure on there. That's awesome. And then you have YouTube too. Is it now, is that the same, you put them in both places? Are they the same Things only you've, obviously on YouTube you can see the actual video. Do you do you put them in both places or are they separate? No, I do put them in both places. So I do record video 
for my podcast okay. and that does go up into YouTube. And then there's some other videos on my YouTube channel, which um, stuff that is only on there. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in media and like media analysis and, and like the representation of masculinity and particularly like men's sexuality in the mainstream media. So I've got a couple mm. of videos on there, like, you know, deconstructions or analyses of the way like premature ejaculation is represented in mainstream media, uh, the way like yeah. erectile dysfunction is represented in mainstream media. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I spoke at the beginning of this podcast about like how we talk about male sexuality in a certain way. It's quite, you know, yeah. self-deprecating and it's kind of a bit of a big joke. And, right. you know, you're, you know, we talk about wanking and like jerking off and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, you know, we talk about yep. it a lot, but the way that we talk about it is not very beneficial. So that's kind of like what the, no. um, those videos are about is like, you know, kind of look, doing a deep dive, I suppose, into like those representations and, and maybe, you know, deconstructing it a bit more and, and talking about the ways that we can speak about sexuality in a bit more of a positive, pleasure positive, sex positive way. Yeah. It's just like kind of a reframing for people to think of it a different way. Yeah, totally. And that's just me nerding out on, you know, media analysis, <laughs> I guess. Well, I think it's great. I think it's very needed because people get stuck in these spots and then they're just stuck. Yeah, totally. And, and like, that's where we get a lot of our messages from, you know, is from the movies mm-hmm. we watch and the TV shows. And you know, I, I talk a little bit about pornography as well, because I think mainstream media includes mainstream pornography. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, there's, mm-hmm. yep. And, yep. and I think, and porn gets a pretty, like, it gets a bad rap and, and you know, for, for, for reasons, but like, it isn't the sole reason why we have these messages about sexuality. Like, people seem to forget that, like, all the stuff that we see in porn, all those messages that we get about penis size and lasting longer and men being yeah. assertive and dominant, a lot of those messages are actually perpetuated in the movies that we watch and in the TV shows that we consume. Yes. They're not, it's not uh-huh. just in porn. So that's that's Rude. another reason why I wanted to talk about it as well is because it's like all the time I hear porn's doing this, porn's doing that, porn's doing bad messages, right. societal conditioning. It's like- it's not just porn, guys. It's you know no, we're also seeing exactly. those same things in other in other media. So that's one of the other reasons why I did it. That's so true. I mean, I think you know that's something I hadn't thought of before. But you're totally spot on. You know, it's it, it's all I don't know. Porn is entertainment, but it does get a really bad rap, and it's really yeah, it's so interesting. I had never thought of that viewpoint. That is really yeah. interesting. <laughs> and once, and once, you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. The yeah. way that we talk about yeah. like uh-huh. male sexuality, I mean, sexuality in general in the media, like once you see it, it's like, oh, fuck, it's everywhere. Yes, it is. It is. It just it colors everything. It's very, very interesting. Mm. Huh. That's very intriguing. <laughs> it's something <laughs> to think about. We all need to think about these things. I think that's important because we get put into little boxes here that we don't shouldn't stay in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that's um, just being like, crit- like I'm a big fan of media literacy and like being critical of like the media you- you're consuming. Like the same thing with porn. Like I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of like ethical porn and yes, um, yes. like watching diverse porn and using porn in a bunch of different ways. Holy shit. I- I've got a two hour podcast that I recorded by myself talking about my opinions about pornography. So I could go on oh. a massive, massive tangent now. But if again, if people want to listen to that, they're more than <laughs> welcome to. But yeah, I've I've got a lot to say about pornography because I think it can be used in a really beneficial way, but I think the way that we're talking about porn at the moment is not not really helpful. Oh, I agree. And I I feel like, you know, it's it all just kind of gets lumped in the same area, you know, and it's not all the same. There is ethical porn out there. Where do you do you have any sites where you suggest people go find ethical porn? Yeah. So Make Love Not Porn is is fantastic. That's by mm, Cindy Gallup. Yes. There's um, in Australia, we've got 
company called Light Southern, which does Australian produced ethical porn. And uh, that's I'm a big fan of, of that being like Australian produced because there's a big gray area of, of porn in Australia. Yeah. I mean, I also like, you know, Literotica, for example, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. yep. um, written porn. And <laughs> there's Audio Desires as well, which is like, you know, oh, um, yes. mm-hmm. you know audio porn essentially. So, you know, when, when we talk about porn, one of the things that I get annoyed about is like people exclusively focus on videos, right? And particularly like hardcore yeah. mm-hmm. mainstream videos. And it's like- Right. Well, that's not just the only way that you can consume porn and use porn. And, and so, yeah, so those are my like, those are my top four when people ask me, but even like, sure. you know, simple way to consume ethical porn is like, find one of your favorite creators, one of your favorite erotic mm-hmm. content creators and go and, yeah. you know, pay for their OnlyFans. You know, that's a simple way right. of like, you know, paying yes. them directly or go to their, go to their website. A lot of, you know, well-known creators have their own website where you can sign up mm-hmm. directly and money goes, goes straight to them. And they're they're the ones that are in charge of what they're producing, and so yeah, there's there's ways of of engaging ethically with with porn as there are with anything that we consume, really. And so it's just about being a mindful consumer. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Or you know, there's some subscription sites that you can join that might be doing ethical porn as well, and then that way you're also supporting their content and what they're creating because you have a subscription. Yeah, yeah, I think many vids is quite good for that. Um, I believe um, there's and there's a few others out there that are, I think like uh, Balesa as well is another one. But I know Erica Lust is is doing you know relatively good. Though I have heard some stuff about you know behind the scenes work uh, with regards to what she's doing. But again, just doing some research like Google ethical porn, you'll you'll find a lot of stuff out there. It's just knowing about it is the first thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've written a few stories for Frolic Me. I don't know if you've heard of them. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. Blue Artichoke Films as well as another one. Pink TV. Oh, they're all coming back to me now. But yeah, there's so many. (laughs) And someone just told me about Foreplay. I haven't heard of that one, but someone just told me they write one of the sex coaches that I just interviewed said she's written a few articles for that one. So I have to check that one out for play. I guess it's, yeah, I haven't even heard that of that well. one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for that. Yeah. I'll add it to my list. <laughs> it's always nice, nice to learn about new ones, you know, like you, I hadn't heard of some of the ones you just mentioned either. So that's good. Good I have a know. little I have a little highlight reel on my Instagram page for anyone that's interested of ethical porn oh, sites. Nice. And I did like a little review. There's, uh, there's a few on there, which uh, yeah, really, really cool. And you're the Cam Frazier on Instagram, right? Uh, I am, yes, yes. And and for some reason, a lot of Americans spell my last name wrong, but that's F-R-A-S-E-R. They put a Z in there? When they-, they do, yes. A lot of them put an I in there before the S or they put or an a Z I, instead yes. of an S, yes. Yes, I could see that happening. <laughs> you have some really interesting sounding courses. I really like the title of your men's course, Outperform a Porn Star. Tell me what you talk about, just kind of an overview of what you talk about in that course. Sure. So that's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek title, the Outperformer Porn Star. <laughs> the idea behind it, though, is like, you know, I start off by talking to men about the, their favorite male porn stars, right? I talk to them about like, mm-hmm. you know, what they see these men doing on screen. And then I show, you know, quotes and interview clips with these guys. And a lot of the men, you know, a lot of these these well-known porn actors talk about how the sex that they're having on screen is actually not very pleasurable for them. They talk about like oh. how they like they it can't be pleasurable for them because otherwise they'll come quickly, right? So they talk about how yeah. they like distract themselves or how they sure. like how they numb their 
their cock out or how they like mm. bite to the inside of their cheeks so they feel pain so that huh. they're not experiencing so much pleasure. Like all the things that these guys do in order to last longer during the scenes and actually not be present with yeah. their, you know, the person they're having sex with. And then I talk, you know, then I also show a lot of, you know, clips and, and quotes from the, some of their favorite, you know, female porn actresses about mm. like, you know, them faking orgasms or them not really enjoying the sex that they're having and how sex off screen is way better than sex on screen and how that it's yeah. a performance and it's a job. And so I kind of like, it's a bit of like porn literacy, I suppose. I kind of like yeah. break down the the way that a lot of guys epitomize the sex they're having on screen. And I talk to them about like, you know, if you were having full bodied, multiple orgasmic experiences with your partner and like sharing that together and having this like really expanded experience of of sex and going to these deep levels you would be outperforming any porn star that you've seen on screen yeah, because that's not the sure. sex that they're having so it kind of right. flips flips that kind of script on its head of being like instead of focusing on the performance like you know porn porn sex mainstream porn sex pretty much is the epitome of performative sex right performance yeah, style mm-hmm. sex Let's talk about pleasure. Let's like have this pleasure mentality. Right. And so that's like the, the premise for the, the course. And then we talk about like, uh, you know, ejaculation and orgasm. What I was talking about before, I give them like challenges around not ejaculating for two weeks. You know, I tell them to still mm. be, still have sex, still masturbate, still self-pleasure, but don't ejaculate and notice huh. like what comes up for them. Because when they're right. not focused on ejaculating, Right? When that isn't the end goal of their experience, it kind of prompts them and almost forces them in a little little bit to be like, what else is there? What else do I do? Right. You know, as, uh-huh. a, as a couple, if, if he's not ejaculating, if you're both making the decision together for him not to come, then when does sex finish? What are you doing? Right. What, like, do, when, right. when do we know that <laughs> it's over? You know, and it kind of like when you take ejaculation off the table, it invites you to go, what else is on the table? What else do we do? Uh, and if right. if we're not trying to drive towards ejaculation, uh, then maybe sex doesn't look like hard and fast penetrative sex, right? Because if that's what right. gets him to come, then uh, can't do that because that's going to make him come. Let's focus on other things. Maybe I, you know, there's an opportunity here to focus more on oral sex on her because you know anything mm-hmm. more might you know produce an ejaculation, and, and we're trying to consciously <laughs> not do that. So um, right. so there's this there's this opportunity to explore. That's like one of the things that I, I talk about. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in there, but it's I'm quite proud of it. It's a six week six week course, and the the course is like it unfolds over the six weeks, so you don't just get everything up front. It kind of like takes you on a progressive journey over the the course of six weeks. There's like partnered practices in there. I, I have a lovely colleague of mine. Her name's Kiki uh, Kiki Marie, and she talks about like cycle awareness for men as well, like how to tune into your partner's like ovulation phase or follicular phase, mm. like what might be going on for her and, and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the way that the, like, especially like throughout the the month, like the uterus moves. And so the cervix is going to move as well. And so it's like, okay, let's, you know, maybe during this time of the month, it might be a little bit shallower in terms of penetration or it might be a little bit deeper during this time of the month and it might be a bit more comfortable. So paying, being able to pay attention to that is also, you know, part of the sexual experience. So yeah, there's heaps of like, a parish who I mentioned before, she is in there as well, talking about blowjobs and things like that. So mm. it's it's yeah, it's kind of collaborative with a few of my my really amazing friends and colleagues. But yeah, I'm proud of it. I'm really stoked on like the information that's in there. I think it's like really beneficial for a lot of guys. I've had some great feedback, and 
yeah, it talks about the energetics of things as well, which I think is necessary. Like, you know, brings a little bit of like Taoism and Ayurvedic medicine kind of knowledge in there and mm. traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. So, so yeah, it's cool. Sure. And thanks for letting me plug it as well. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, yeah, not to bring up your, your women's course too, because that's about what we talked about a little bit ago, but man myths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So man myths. Yeah. Understanding male sexuality is like the subtitle of that. And uh. Yeah, it's essentially like a lot of the stuff I've spoken about already, but you know, it highlights you know some of these major stereotypes or assumptions that we have about men and their sexuality, which is like you know one of them, one of the major ones is that men want sex all the time, mm-hmm. so like men are always in the mood. That's like a, a major major myth, right? Because uh, and that also leads into that kind of like gendered myth, which is that like men want sex more than women do, and so. Right. And, and so, like, for a lot of couples, when that isn't the dynamic, that can cause a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. Um, yep. So, I talk about that. Talk about uh, oh, erections and arousal. So, I talk mm. about arousal non-concordance and how a guy can be really aroused but actually not have an erection or vice versa. He can have an erection but not really be aroused. Mm. You know, the, the difference between physical arousal and mental arousal. Sure. That's another one. There's ones in there around, like... Oh, around like foreplay, this idea that men don't like foreplay and, you know, how to, uh, how to like, you know, talk about that and how to, how to work through that and, and how to, you know, encourage him to, to like step into this idea that, that maybe he does actually enjoy foreplay. Talk about, yeah, blowjobs as well. So Parrish is in that, that course as well. She talks mm, about how to give a BJ sure. with a heart full of gratitude. Heaps of stuff, nice. heaps, of, heaps of things in there around like, um, yeah, how to navigate those expectations and assumptions that you maybe have made about the men in your life if you have sex with men. Um, like rejection doesn't hurt men. That's a major one as well. It's like, you know, sexual rejection is just like a thing that men go through and it doesn't really have an impact on them. It's like recognizing the vulnerability in that. Yeah, I'm stoked about that course as well. And yeah, I don't promote it as much, but maybe I, I should because it's, you know, now that I think about it, I'm really proud of the the content that's in there. Oh, absolutely. And you touch any at all on like, dealing with anxiety in the bedroom in either of the courses? Yes, that's a, a major component towards the end of both of those courses. Because I, I try and focus like, especially in Outperformer Porn Star, I try and focus a lot on like the men's relationship with his own sexuality and like exploring self-pleasure mm. and like really working through that solo. And then sure. towards the end of the course, I think for the last two weeks of the six weeks, it's like, okay, let's now bring everything you've learned into like a partner scenario. And then, because when we introduce a partner to our sexual experience, a whole bunch of stuff can come up that hadn't come up previously when we were just exploring solo, like all of our partner's baggage or all of this tension and anxiety and performance stuff that we had been exploring solo now gets amplified when we start to explore it with Mm. a partner. So, So there's a lot of strategies around like, okay, let's navigate that together. A lot of stuff are in there around like how to have conversations about sex, what to do if you lose an erection during a sexual experience, like how to pivot mm. and how to navigate through that for both men and, and women. Like what can a woman do if her partner loses an erection? How to, you know, how to handle a soft cock as well. Like there's still pleasure to be gained from, you know, sure. uh, from a flaccid penis and, and soft penetration and things like that. So there's heaps of strategies in there, not only like cognitively, like how to deal with the thoughts and the anxiety that pops up, but also like, how to deal with the physical manifestation of that anxiety, like how to drop into the body, how to experience pleasure in the fingertips, you know, how mm, to pivot and mm-hmm. how to move through those scenarios that, you know, people 
just are never really told how to move through. You know, if you lose an erection during yeah. sex, that means sex is finished. Right? You know, that's right. just what a lot of couples do. So it's like here's here's an opportunity for you to explore when that happens because it's it's going it's not a not an if it's a when. Right. Right, exactly. That's interesting though that you talked about soft penetration. Like that's something like most people aren't going to like think about or even want to try. I was just like they'll think, "Well, that's just impossible." You know, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that won't even like work. <laughs> yeah, right. So, that, so there's a, there's a myth there, right? That sex has to involve an erect penis. And Right. And so okay, let's let's challenge that, you know, and and um that, again, the curiosity as you as you kind of pointed out, that's like the basis for a lot of the work is like okay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that you've had this assumption you know, here's tapping into a curiosity. What if that wasn't true? Like, can you, what comes up for you? If, you know, we start to challenge that assumption, we start to challenge that, that myth that you held about, you know, your own sexuality or about your male partner sexuality. Let's like explore that a bit more. So yeah, that's a, that's a cornerstone of the the courses as well. It kind of follows throughout. Ah, very interesting. Where else can people find you? Like if they want to find more of your content and we just mentioned Instagram, where else do you post? So I've got, yeah, Instagram and YouTube, but I'm also on TikTok as well at the Cam Fraser for people that want to follow me there. It's a bit of a cesspool on TikTok. It's (laughs) a wild, wild west out there, but yeah, I'm posting stuff up there. I'm on Twitter as well, but not as much. Again, the Cam Fraser on all social media platforms, actually. So if you you find me, you find me on on any any platform, but yeah, it's... Yeah, Instagram's probably my my go-to and maybe TikTok second. Uh, and I try and just post as much educational content as possible. So like if if someone finds me on on social media, my promise is that you will learn something. That's fantastic. That's what we need. I yeah. mean, you're focusing on areas that need focus, you know, so I think it's really really beneficial and really great. And I'm really excited that I can share everything you're saying with with my audience too cuz I I just think it's great. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's been so lovely talking to you as well. I feel really um grateful and really humbled that you've used your platform to have a have a chat with me. Oh, yes. I just really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much for for talking with me and I'll put all of your links down in the podcast notes so that people can easily access that your podcast, your your courses and so you have like a link you have like a uh a lot of people have a link tree i don't know which one yours i'll put that link down to so they can I get do, to yeah. all of your <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's in my that profile yeah i'll send it to you as well <laughs> if you if you need it but yeah i do have one of those that's awesome was well, there anything else you want to say or advice or anything that you would like to highlight or mention that we have not touched on yet I mean, there's there's heaps of stuff that I'd love to to speak about, but I just wanted to reiterate, you know, curiosity, playfulness, like openness, communication, vulnerability, like all that stuff is like so important and so necessary. And if, there, if there's just a yeah major takeaway from this, would just like lean into that, you know, lean into that 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 curiosity, lean into that experimentation, lead into that exploration, because only good things can come from it. Absolutely. And be open-minded. Curiosity and open-mindedness go together, right? Totally. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, thank you so much. You have an amazing day. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. You have a good day. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and I hope you found it helpful. I hope you found something in there that was like a wow moment because I certainly had wow moments talking to him and I was just like, wow, this is fantastic. I'm excited to put this out into the world and I hope it really helps you. Please follow my podcast. Give me a rating and a review. Let me know if you liked this episode and you find it helpful. 
I will put Cam's links all down in the podcast notes so that you can find them. I also will put my links down in the podcast notes in my little link tree that shows where I am all over the internet. I have audiobooks, not safe for work, erotic audiobooks on Amazon, and I have my own novellas and novels, books, erotica, erotic romance on online sellers, including Amazon and Kobo and Barnes and Noble and Apple, all those. I mean, there's so many, I I don't even, it's hard to remember them all. (laughs) But anyway, you can find me there. And of course, you can find me on this podcast to learn more that I share and more that I create my erotic stories. I have another book out right now in pre-sale. Yeah, actually, I have two in pre-sale. One is going live tomorrow, which is a femdom story. She dominated him out of a speeding ticket, which is a delicious start to a story. It's the first novella in the series where she is the dominant in the relationship. And it starts out with she's a police officer and she pulls him over for a speeding ticket and he doesn't have money. So hmm, they trade something. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> and then the other book that I have in pre-sale mode right now is in heterosexual relationship, it's a, a definitely a fantasy of many people where they meet up at a pond. They're both wanting to go skinny dipping and unbeknownst to each other, they both arrive at this pond and they are already in process when they realize that each other is there. <laughs> How delicious, right? And so that is skinny dipping at the pond on a hot summer day. Okay, I have many other books out there that you, depending on your taste, I have lesbian books, I have heterosexual, I have bisexual, I have multiple partner, reverse harem, and all different levels of erotica, and some are even more smutty. So depending on what you like, if you like a bit of romance, I have some erotic romance too. Okay, I'm excited that you're here, and I'm excited you've listened to this long to this podcast. You fucking rock. You are awesome. And I hope that you have a sexy fucking day. Love ya. Bye-bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.